Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Bisha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Ira Kaplan is an influential and talented songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, and singer based in New York City. In 1984, Kaplan co-founded the wondrous and prolific band Yola Tango with his partner Georgia Hubley, and they both welcomed James McNew into the fold in 1992, which established the current and most consistent iteration of the idiosyncratic Yola Tango. On February 10th, 2023, Matador Records brings us This Stupid World, the brilliant and 16th album by Yola Tango, which prompted Ira and I to connect for a good talk about uh, things like uh, staying healthy as a working and traveling band these days, going to the movies and people and their telephones, the unique circumstances and recording process that captured this Yola Tango album, how past work with producer John McIntyre impacted this stupid world, what it means to have been in the same band for almost 40 years, lyrical input and collaboration in Yola Tango generally, celebrating Rick Moranis, remembering our dearly departed mutual friend Dallas Good, and celebrating 
his band, the Sadies, Viola Tango's Edmonton history, touring again, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, and make flexible monthly donations to the show at patreon.com slash creative control, which is the primary source of clean revenue for all the work that goes into making this podcast. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a wonderful record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and very friendly people who work there and will happily help you look for whatever it is you need to find. Uh, Say you want to order the new Yola Tango album, This Stupid World. Well, you head on over to blackbird.ca and you type in what you want and they'll figure out if they can ship it to you. It's just like that. So yeah, that's how it works. Blackbird.ca for more information there. Plus, in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 752 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Ira Kaplan of Yola Tango, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. How's it going? Uh, fine, thanks. I am well as well. I, I no, everything's well. fine. Everything's great. <laughs> I actually have a little. I just got a little cough just as we started. I'm like, what the? Are you keeping well in this time of you know strangeness? Have you been healthy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, sir. Uh, you know, let's see. Got uh, got COVID um, at the end of Hanukkah 2021. So since then. I mean, I like like I assume most people. I, I'm in some ways healthier than ever. You know, I don't get colds anymore. Yeah, much more, much more careful. So, uh, well, I, looking around, I don't know how many people are more careful, but uh, I am. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to be more careful, and I, uh, as we're speaking, uh, I have not had the thing at all. Uh, and my family and I, as far as we know, you know, that's the other thing. Did I have it? That's the other weird part of this. Um, but, uh, yeah, trying to keep safe and, uh, all those sorts of things. Uh, where in the world are you today, Ira? I'm at home in New York. Nice. How are things going, uh, in New York generally for you? Is, uh, is the day shaping up okay? Uh, well, it's early yet. We'll be heading to, uh, Hoboken to practice for our upcoming tour. Yeah, as soon as pretty much as soon as we're done here. Oh, okay, that's great. Uh, have you been pretty active uh, since the onset of the pandemic on the road and stuff? I wouldn't say we've been active on the road. We've been active. We took advantage of the fact that there were just three of us and two people were already living together, so we didn't spend that much time completely locked down. We figured out we could get together and separate and relatively safe and so we were we were working pretty much throughout the lockdown as we define work which covers a lot of bases yeah have, have you missed the road per se or has the i didn't, I didn't think i had yeah. until we went out on it i mean this may come up in other contexts but i do think that i and the rest of the band are pretty good at dealing with 
our circumstances and not thinking too much about what's what's not there and just kind of enjoying what is and in, in a time when there was so much isolation the three of us were getting together and that was great and it wasn't really thinking about not doing shows and not touring but then we did some and it was really exciting i mean it it did kind of bring that back home how much you know love doing what we do yeah i mean i've been to very few shows uh i used to attend shows if i could swing it with family commitments and whatnot a few times a week when i particularly when i lived in ontario uh, i'm calling you now from uh relatively new home in Alberta. And yeah, I've been mm-hmm. mostly landlocked, but when friends come to town, I went to see the Sadies play three times uh, back in October. And I recently went to go see my friends in this band Fucked Up play, and it was surreal. It's always surreal for me, I guess. This is just my own perspective. Was there any surrealism for you as a performer to be back on stage? I, I understand you're saying the feelings hit like they came back probably i guess is maybe what you're getting at like they're oh yeah this i forgot about this but was it surreal in any way i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't say so i th- i think it's it's actually kind of harder going to shows than it is doing them for me i i, I mean i've i've done it, it sounds like more than you have but yeah you know just try to stay out of the way of people <laughs> which you know it's not particularly feasible but you know and so there's things on my mind that weren't on my mind at shows when we're doing them a little i mean certainly not when we're on stage when we're on stage that's kind of when any any other thoughts just kind of go away but other things i mean i i like to after we're done playing, go out to where t-shirts are being sold and talk to people. And I, and I've, that has been all but curtailed. I mean, I, you know, certain things just don't right. seem worth the risk right now. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where I'm coming from. Like in a, you know, living my life way, we have to go to the grocery store. I'm going to make that effort. Everything else feels like a bit of a frill, a risky frill. Um, and so, I'm not saying I'm not equating what you're saying to that, but in a way, you're you're limiting what you would normally have done uh, when you're on the road. But I think, like a lot of people, I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but I think, like a lot of people, I'm easing off some of that. I mean, I yeah. In the, the last couple of weeks, I've gone back to the movies more than I had, and and I love going to the movies, and you know, almost what I was saying about. Uh, playing shows i didn't really allow myself to think about how much i missed it and then i went and was like oh yeah this is this is great and this is this experience is much different than watching tcm on my tv so you know i'm I'm going back more and you know wearing a mask i'm sorry for the movie theater but i'm happy for myself when the show wasn't very well attended (laughs) (laughs) yeah i will tell you since you brought up movies is that i I have established a movie night for our family so just to my kids are only 11 and 8 so we still have a lot of dominion over them (laughs) you know they're not roaming uh too well actually my daughter's out most days and anyway 
I set it up. I uh, we I asked for Christmas uh, or uh, for my birthday, whatever, for my wife. I said, you know what I'd like is one of those popcorn machines. She's like, what? <laughs> you know those popcorn machines where it's not just like a hot air popper. It's like a movie theater popper with a kettle and it, you know, like you're at the movies. And she's like, okay. So then I did that. So we have that in the basement. Kids love it. They love the novelty of it. It looks like they made it kind of old timey, you know, it's like a whatever. And then uh, I also, uh, we inherited like a little home theater setup with this house we bought. Uh, in 2020. So yeah, I have built a little, we have a projector. I worry that I'm, uh, really shutting myself off from stuff by making everything happen in my house, but it feels like a little movie theater. So I just wanted to relate that I miss movies too, but I was just talking to someone else about this. The experience of going to the movies has been diminishing for me for some years because of people talking during the movies. Like I get a little, you're in New York, so you probably, I'm, what I'm saying is probably uh, silly to you. Maybe do people talk a lot during the movies in your experience? Have, have they done that? Like just I want when I say talk, I mean chat. Literally talking yeah. to each other while everyone else is trying to enjoy a movie. Does that have you experienced that? Yeah, yeah. I mean that and the phone. I mean yeah. that it's the. Uh, I did go to a movie recently where uh, I mean I'm, I'm I'm extremely intolerant about the. Uh, the telephone yes, yes. <laughs> uh and uh, so you know technically i i did get i did get yelled at once as some friends and i went to a movie th- went to the museum of modern art to see a movie and we got chastised for talking mm-hmm. which would have been more embarrassing to me except the movie hadn't started yet so we didn't really feel like we were doing anything wrong the house lights were up i mean it was just <laughs> waiting for the movie to start. I see. Okay. That's different though. That's not talking to the movie. But I, I, fe- I felt it was. But but there are distinctions. Obviously, you know, people who are talking before the movie starts, you you can't help but think like, gee, I wonder if they're going to be quiet when the movie starts. So I, I'm happy to say that this person I'm about to describe did similarly observe the distinction between the previews <laughs> and the actual movie but but he took out his phone and filmed the previews which i just i just can't <laughs> i mean that as i said i am completely intolerant about cell phones and uh the idea that like you really can't remember the name of the movie you saw a preview for for like two hours to you know type it into your phone you have to consult the uh, the video evidence but that was more just me being a jerk uh as long as no. he kept his phone no, i don't think you are stored during the movie which he did there is probably a black market for movie previews bootlegs of the preview i'm sure there's yeah. something like that i think what we're both getting at is uh there has been a we're old we are old there's no doubt about that i think you're maybe a bit older than me but i think what we're getting at and when you invoke intolerance what i'm saying is the level of selfishness and the lack of self-awareness among people was building before this pandemic for me and i'm just i don't i asked my wife this the other day am i too angry am i too cynical I think I'm a hopeful cynic, if that makes sense. I'm, I will be cynical, but I'll also be like, I'm cynical because I know there's a better way of doing things. So in this scenario, the better way of doing things would be for everyone to be like, I'm in a shared space. I'm going to put my phone away and not talk. 
because it's a shared space. But I feel like where I'm coming from right now is I'm so disappointed and it's less, there's a fear of the getting the various illnesses, but I also am so disappointed on some level with how people are generally behaving. Not everyone. My wife likes to say this. Here, look at this great <laughs> Humans of New York story. Look at this. There's reasons to be hopeful. But as I go out into the world, I'm like, I don't feel that. Does that resonate in any way? Well, to stop complaining, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll acknowledge that it resonates with kind of the opposite, which is that we take great pride in the Hanukkah shows that we do. And, yes. Yeah. And, and as I said, I got COVID in 2021, definitely at those shows. And then, you know, once again this year, the, the numbers were on the rise. And leading up to it, we asked people to wear masks at the shows and asked the staff at the Bowery Ballroom to wear masks. And uh, when we posted that on Instagram, we got, I mean, it was one of those things where there were like hundreds of or a hundred mm. replies. 98% of them positive, including people saying, they now felt more comfortable coming to the show than they did before. And, you know, yeah. only a couple of people cursed us out. And people did wear masks, which was great. And I think made everyone a little more uncomfortable physically and a lot more comfortable mentally. Mm. But also just having all the, the performers participating and so many of them participating in our in our set it it really does make me uh not optimistic because <laughs> i'm not optimistic but yeah. uh see that it, you know that that not everything stinks yeah no i and i agree and i uh, what i'm i hope i didn't come across as completely mis like a complete misanthrope but maybe i i, I am but no i am hopeful the reason I reach out and want to have conversations like this one or listen to music and, and get immersed in such a fit. By the way, congratulations on this wonderful album. We're going to get into it, uh, now. I hope, uh, it's wonderful. Uh, but my point is, I think these are gestures and signals for myself, sending them out into the world and receiving them. This is the hope. You know, this is where humanity could be. And I think that's what I'm, where I'm landing right now myself is that like, yeah, there, there is a way out of this. We just have to adjust somehow our behavior, uh, as a collective. And for a brief period at the onset of this pandemic, it felt like we were all had no choice but to be galvanized, but that dissipated so quickly. So that's where I'm coming from. It's frustrating. It was so, it felt, remember that you could see the air in Los Angeles. You could see the sky. Sorry. In Los Angeles, people were like, Oh my God, species are returning to earth. That, you know, they're, they're flourishing all of a sudden because pollution was down. Everything's down. Human intervention was curbed a little bit. And anyway, sorry. All of this is where I'm, uh, yeah. I, do I sound, I, do I come across very negative? I don't mean to. I'm just trying to be realistic, but then I feel like that's negative. Ira, please help me. What should I do? <laughs> I don't, don't give advice. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I have Thanks talked for, to uh, Judge Hodgman. <laughs> yes, yes. But you see where people like. I think that's it. We're in this milieu that is inherently hopeful, but is uh, uh, fighting for stuff all the time. It feels like coming from alternative ways of thinking, alternative ways of doing things. Does that make sense? Like this is where 
I think I live where you have lived for a lot longer than me, but I also get the impression you don't think too much about what you're doing and its implications. Is that a fair way of looking at it? Try, yeah. I mean, it's it's that seems kind of like a a dead end of thought. <laughs> Try to just do it, just just to do it. Yeah, I've talked to many artists. You know, the Nike the Nike lifestyle. Yeah, that's right. We're just we're just doing it. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, they were ahead of their time. I've talked to a number of artists who have had to either completely adapt how they work if they're a collaborate if they're a collaborative band or something. They've had to completely adapt how they work in this uh, situation where there's a lot of remote collaboration. I've talked to others who are like, we were kind of custom built for this. Uh, we've already been thinking of new ways of working together and writing music together. I gather there were some new approaches employed by Yola Tango uh, for this record, including doing the every, almost every, literally almost everything by yourselves. I guess where I'm coming from is like, that's a shift, but was, was there a lot of radical process-oriented shifting going on for Yola Tango in this process? Or were you just like, actually, we can we can manage this. We, we, we love each other. We know each other. We can do this. Well, I think yeah. more the latter. I, I, I don't think we're, we're not the radical shift type of band. I, I feel like one of the reasons we were able to adapt is because we think we're always adapting. So reacting to change circumstances is just what we do. It's not like we have to work any one way. And so this was nothing different. And then in terms of making the record ourselves without planning to do that and without realizing it, it was something we'd just been inching our way towards, you know, certainly over the last two records before it, we, a lot of the tracks on fade were recorded by James just because he was enjoying recording and, and making, and so our demos were getting increasingly elaborate, you know, and where things that in a, at a certain period were just turning on a, a mini disc recorder and recording, you know, one microphone in the practice room were starting to become these multi-track things. So, in the in the case of Fade, we ended up using a lot of those tracks when we brought them to Chicago and recorded with John McIntyre. And again, without planning to do it this way, we ended up just recording everything ourselves for There's a Riot Going On and then mixed it with John. And then this time, I know personally I expected we would go somewhere and mix the, our tracks and then we'd had the same kind of, or at least in my case, the same belated recognition. Maybe James or Georgia were thinking it before me that, you know, this actually sounds good. We're working together well. There's kind of no reason why we have to go anywhere because it's certainly more convenient not to. Mm. I mean, not not just from a pandemic standpoint, but just to to not you know, uh, be like the Beverly Hillbillies, just, you know, pack up everything. And uh, for, a, for a timely reference that your listeners are going to really uh, understand. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, you know, just pack up and, and relocate somewhere else. It, it was just easier to stay home. And, and then once we made that decision, I think the 
results changed because instead of working, you know, eight, 10, 12 hour days, we were working more like our usual two to four hour day. And so we weren't as, you know, we, 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 the perspective changed by getting to walk away from it more often and we mixed it over a longer period of time, but not as intensely. And I'm sure that affected the results. Yeah. In my own experience in recording studios, if I dwell upon the negative, which we've already established, I tend to do, uh, I think about the pressure. Uh, and it's not only the time and the money that you're worried about. It's actually there's a person external to the band is involved. So you feel a certain responsibility to not, not simply costing yourself money with the time you're wasting or not wasting. You know what I'm saying? But when having just someone else there is like, oh, there's someone else who doesn't normally hang out with us when we're writing songs. That's a little bit of pressure. You don't want to be wasting their time. I guess what I'm asking is in this process of it sounds to me like you're saying this was an or, sort of an organic progression of moving further and further away from having external collaborators. Does this give you perspective on why you even ever worked with external collaborators and what it means to not have them at this point in your trajectory? Well, I, I'm, I'm certainly not saying we're done with collaborators and, and, you know, at the same time, we're we're doing these Hanukkah shows where we're collaborating every night with different people. It's it's not. I mean, that's. It's not like I'm saying we're self sufficient and don't need anyone else. But it made sense for this record, and I it we enjoyed it. And I, as I said, I think it it changed the results, which is interesting. No, and by the way, I, 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 for those who know the band, we know you collaborate with people in all sorts of manners. Uh, where I, I was specifically coming from was the pre- recording process. Um, because you would even, like you said, it was, you were, I think you said, even not, normally you'd hand the mix off to someone else, which maybe for the, may- well, no, no, we would never do that. I mean, we're always attending the mixing sessions and always very involved. But so we've never handed oh, I see. <laughs> anything off to anyone, which is part of part of why I, I you know it's 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 one of these things. It, it's in the record company bio. We're being asked about it a lot, but it it doesn't seem as I said we're not a we're not people who do make really radical changes. Mm. This doesn't seem that different from what we've done previously, and and partly because of of John McIntyre's personality and approach to recording that he's not as uh, free with his opinions as really anyone else we've ever worked with has been. So that that's not how he saw his contribution. So I, I think the three of us got better at making decisions for the three of us, rather than going to Gene Holder or Roger Mutno or mm. anyone else as like an arbiter, so if if, if we were di- when we're disagreeing, not if when we're disagreeing, it became our job to find a consensus, find a, a way, find agreement, mm. and and John I think had a had a big part of that by not 
being that interested <laughs> in adjudicating. <laughs> so it made it a, a smooth transition to uh, doing it ourselves. I, I've come to know John a little bit over the last 20 odd years because we've done many interviews. He's been on the show a number of times, actually. And um, I think of him as a very wise and uh, opinionated person in his own right, you know, when he'll feel the question with the best of them and all those, all those sorts of things. When you say he was withholding in terms of opinions, did that, did you end up interpreting that as a sort of liberating thing? Oh, okay. Like, were you hoping for more? I guess I just want to unpack what you're saying a little bit. Were you hoping for more or? Oh, yeah, certainly initially. Yeah. I mean, there, there would be times we would try to, you know, draw him out. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes, you know, he he would, he'll tell, he'd tell us what he thinks. But it, it, it seemed we'd have to specifically ask mm. for that. Mm. I mean, but, but on the other hand, he's, he's making decisions constantly. So that's, that's what he thinks. You know, he's setting up microphones, he's setting up sounds, he's, he's, trying out different plugins and things you know so he's offering his opinion constantly just not verbally not necessarily verbally yeah there is an ethos among certain engineers and producers that they don't feel it's their place to tell a band like or rather interfere with a band's instinct or approach they 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 just feel like that's not their their job is to set up the microphones and let the band tell them if they thought a take was good. But I've heard from some bands that they, or artists, that they're like, it was weird. The person was just like, yeah, it seemed fine to me. What did you think? And that puts the onus on them. And then they're not sure why they've started collaborating with this person if they're not going to be forthcoming with opinions in the moment. Um, so, I, I again, I don't know if this is where you're coming from, but when you're left to your own devices... Again, it's got to be both liberating and potentially like, I hope we got this right. Like, were you pensive on your own in any way? Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure I can really recall because in the case of working with John, we're really talking, it, the question you're asking refers more to Fade than it does to there's yeah, a riot going on right. because yeah. by the time we were doing there's a riot going on, we we had already come up with all the tracks, so we had decided, you know, questions of say, is this a good take or not, had already been made. So I, you know, I I, th I think there is <laughs> there is always a hopefully healthy amount of indecision. Yeah, on my part, probably all our parts. You know, you 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 like something, and then you come back the next day, and maybe you don't like it as much, or you feel differently about it and you know i don't i don't feel like you've got to make up your mind for all time yeah in any <laughs> ever yeah, yeah from what i understand the the shape of the songs on the stupid world um they themselves have a pretty fascinating journey and i what i'm getting at for listeners is and ira please correct me uh if i'm wrong these were ostensibly you guys playing with minimal preconceived notions of what you might be doing and then all, almost all of it was captured and then there was this which is very common for bands to just sort of play together but i want to get at that preconceived or 
I, I want to get it like were people coming in with ideas or were you just in a room being like, let's go. Can you talk about the distinction between, I mean, I'm sure it's a case by case basis for every song, but was there a overarching approach to how these songs were captured uh, from where the band was coming from? It is mostly us just playing and, and, uh, and, and one of the things about taking as much time between records as we've, we've come to is that we always like the idea of, of telling ourselves that we're doing things aimlessly, but for a long time, we, we really are. So after there's a riot going on was finished we we're still getting together and we're still playing and you know we're recording this or that for you know some cover song for for somebody or working on a on a movie or you know just different things we might be doing and we're easily distracted and we'll just start playing something and and James will frequently record it or if he doesn't we'll we'll play it again you know and in the case of we have amnesia sometimes we didn't even think we were making a record we were just getting together during the lockdown and playing together because it because w- it felt great to play together and we listened to one of or i think we maybe we finished one of them I, I don't remember if we listened or first or second but we just thought that that was that was kind of good maybe we should share that one certainly with matador and discuss the idea of um, maybe putting it out digitally or something. And Matador were very enthusiastic and said, you know, put out as many of these as you want. And so we then, you know, at that point, went through the things we'd been recording and found five of them that we thought held together. So I guess it was probably at the beginning of 2022 that we really kind of focused on making a record and 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 kind of thinking okay this is what we're doing now and the beginning of that process is going through lots of stuff that we've already got recorded to see what we feel like we can work with what we can edit into something what's maybe done you know what has the germ of an idea and so a lot of it happens completely accidentally I want to home in on this because I'm sure some people listening might be fascinated by the notion of a recording artist, musician saying, I didn't even think we were making a record when microphones are set up and the record button has been pressed. You're talking, I think, about a couple records back, maybe for the most part. The songs on this new album, was that mentality in place? I don't even know if we're making a record. We're just going to play. Um, but the microphones are set up and James has hit record. Was that attitude present in these sessions? It, it, yeah, it was. I, and I think that becomes one of those things where um, we've done it that way enough times that the, the presence of the microphones don't don't necessarily mean anything. We've, we've recorded lots of stuff that no one will ever hear because it just, it just, you know, the, there was just a fly on the wall and... Uh, we didn't need it again. <laughs> I see. And the context is you were in your rehearsal space. Is that unusual to release uh, a proper album of, of, of con- con- comprised of stuff that was captured in that particular space? Well, I mean, not for us. I mean, I mean it, it is in that we mixed it, but I mean, all the 
everything I've been referring to from Fade and there's a riot going on was done in our rehearsal space. Right. We just, okay. You know, nowadays with with Pro Tools and we have some good microphones, so it it's not, you know, it's it's not as tricky <laughs> making decent sounding recordings as it as it used to be. Yeah, I think one of the ways your band and your approach has resonated with people is is I think it encourages a kind of relaxation and a stress alleviation practice. Uh, often you say in the press or you have over the decades, we don't really think about it too much. Um, we are up for whatever. You said it a little bit here. Like we adapt to what's going on and we, I think the subtext is also we are who we are at that time and we trust that. We trust each other and whatever, it's trusting moments. And then all of us are digesting these moments you captured and trying to sort of parse out what they might mean, which is now I'm just describing all art <laughs> on some level. But is there some sort of Zen mentality you have here? Not to get cheesy, but like of just like the band seems to operate in this way where like the least amount of pressure possible uh, is obviously a good thing for any artist. But you really put it into practice, I think, in, in ways that some artists aren't able to. Um, would you agree with that? I, 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 maybe, probably not. I, certainly, lack of stress does not seem to describe. <laughs> there's plenty of stress. There is and stress. There's plenty okay. of. Oh, sure. I yeah. mean, you know, you're you're, but you know how you deal with it. I remember Roger Mutno once commenting in an interview that that if if things are too comfortable in the studio, I, I become distrustful and I'm sure he was right, (laughs) but I've tried to make that no longer the case and, and to, you know, try to get better at certain things. I mean, there's, you know, think about like disagreeing and, and being angry and it's like, well, you can repeat you can say out loud every every classic zinger you your brain comes up with, or you can try to say something that might actually make the situation better instead of make everyone dig in deeper. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. you know, so you know, sometimes I'm better at one than other times you know. <laughs> fair enough was there anything about what your bandmates and yourself included i guess brought to this particular party that that surprised you and in, in a good way in particular i'm just wondering if anything that came out of this session or now that the record's out and you're processing it and preparing to play shows was there anything about what people brought to it that you were like wow uh that's a bit that seems new that's that's a different thing than i was expecting I mean, there's always surprises. I hope <laughs> it would get a little dull if there aren't. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think. I mean, you know, sometimes just when an when an idea works, it's surprising. It's I don't I, I it's hard to it's hard to answer that at least initially. I, I I make this analogy to people when they see my kids for the first time in a long time uh, after you know those who know us, and they'll say, "Wow." kids grown up so much they're so tall and we say oh really i mean we are aware of it we're not blind but we're like oh yeah i guess it's been a while i think in a band that can happen too like you're just constantly moving 
and time is passing and you may not realize that people are picking up different skills or all of a sudden the guitar playing is a little, wow, I, I didn't know, I forgot Ira was capable of that. You don't even notice it. So maybe some of this surprise or progress, if you will, it could be imperceptible to you on some level. Like you've just lived with these people for so long that I'm not saying any of you take each other for granted, but maybe you don't even notice. Maybe that's on us. Is that a fair way of putting it? Sure. Well, sure. What's, what's we're gonna, fair? We're going to land on yeah. sure. We're landing on sure. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I hope it's not too convoluted a question. I think your band uh, has been... Ira, for those who don't know, uh, and I don't want to get anything wrong, how, how long has this band actually been together by your reckoning as a proper unit, if you will? Well, our, our first show at Maxwell's was in December of 1984, uh, James joined in 1991, and I think that's uh, you know anyone who wanted to say that's when the band began would get no argument from us. Yeah, so this becomes potentially a tiresome narrative point for you <laughs> that the band has been around a long time, um, but it is fascinating and unusual on some level. I mean, you look at some of the peers you came up with, and some of them are still around. Some of them have uh, lost members, and some members have come back. Um, I assume it's meaningful for you to still be doing this, but do you have any other perspective on the band's longevity in a shifting landscape? And as I say, so many of your peers are no longer doing this. Um, I assume you appreciate this and your fans, but any other perspective on why this has been able to sustain itself for so long? I well, mean, we, we just enjoy it. I don't know. Not, not really. It's not... um. It's, it's not, I don't know what the, you know, maybe, maybe if, if we found we were having trouble going forward, it might, it might be useful to think about how we lasted this long and what we're doing wrong now. But it, it I just don't know, except for the providing a better answer to your question. I'm not sure what, <laughs> <laughs> what value there is to thinking about it. No, I agree. I, 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 hesitated to ask it but like i say I, I think some of this is just floating in the air whenever someone i don't know people are weird man they're like oh you're still doing that about say this is my 10th year of this podcast they don't really say this to me but i hear this about artists all the time from some of the younger people i work with oh i can't believe uh carly jepson is still at it i'm like she's like 24 what did you think she was going to do like we're people I just think there's like this ageism thing where they're like, can you believe someone's still doing that thing? Like it's a novelty that they would be into the arts or culture. And I just find it's a weird, I don't know. I don't want to get into it too much. I just, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday, this weird diminishment of all arts and culture as like a frivolous or background thing. Can you believe someone's still doing it? Do you ever hear these kinds of sentiments? Uh, not to my face. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever uh, do you ever think this about uh, other artists? Like you know, how long have people been making fun of the Rolling Stones? Uh, back when Steel Wheels, nineteen eighty nine. Oh, can you believe these guys are still doing it? I mean, I'm picking a monolithic giant, you know, band, but I yeah, I find I, it I, weird. I, I, I guess in the case of of the Rolling Stones or other people, you might say that about. I, I think that's more of a question of of what is their motivation 
questioning their motivation for doing it. Well, yes, and, yeah. But you know, it, it, at least in our case, it's it's clearly not for the money. So it's like no one, you know, we're 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 just misguided enough to think that you know what we're doing might be worth something. Uh, mm. Where you know certain other people don't have to. It doesn't have to be a consideration. Uh, but, you know, it, it's – we have a lot of – you know, our, our our very close friends, Tim and Tara, who have the band Antietam, and that, that first show we did in 1984 was with them. And they just played last week at Union Pool. Our, our friends, uh, Rick and Sue, uh, who have been collaborating longer than, than George and I have – and they continue to do so. Uh, you know, the difference, at least in the case of Rick and Sue, is they do a lot of things. So, so Rick is is playing in seventy five dollar bill, and Sue just put out a record that was actually recorded a while ago with Sue Garner and Angel Dean. So it, it's not. I mean, even though James does dump and Georgia yeah. does, you know, we do little things, but the bulk of what we do is is. Uh, Yellow Tango, uh, where where Rick and Sue's collaboration kind of moves in and out uh, sometimes, but but it it doesn't seem. I just look around. I see people working together for long periods of time. I mean, <laughs> how long has Neil Young been doing what he does? It just yeah. doesn't seem that remarkable to me. No, and I feel like this. If this is what you love doing, and this is your job, if if you will, then you're going to keep doing it for as long as you possibly can. There's no retirement really in music, uh, and I think uh, a lot of the people I admire um, have proven that. I do think that with some, when a band has been around a long time, they're obviously going to have a multi generational uh, fan base, and that can be amazing. You, you would hope so. Yes, I think children's entertainers, by the way. The Raffies here in Canada, we have uh, Fred Penner. These folks have hit a sweet spot, I've discovered, because uh, some of us grew up with them and really loving them, and our parents uh, took us to see them or, or enjoyed the records. And then when we grew up and had children, then our our parents came with us. This happened to me. Like we brought, mm-hmm. there was like three generations of people that these children's entertainers have managed to capture, and it just keeps building and building. That is a weird tangent. I didn't mean to get into that, um, but maybe you know where I'm coming from. Like, that's a pretty sweet spot. Sometimes I think we should all just become children's entertainers. It'll be fine. We'll have like a billion fans all the time. Anyway, this is a weird, weird tangent. My point was going to be multi-generational fan base can mean uh, various people trap you in a time. The Rolling Stones, for some people, are a 60s band. For some people, they're an 80s band. That's a band, and I don't mean to keep harping on them, but they do continue to put out new records, just like Neil Young, Bob Dylan, these kinds of people. And those of us who dig in are like, yeah, this is great. Uh, Yola Tango is constantly making, not constantly, but very prolific, and you're always making new records. So, but there's probably for, and I don't do this myself, but there's people of my ilk, my age, who probably like, I love the, that's a 90s band for me. Do you ever feel trapped in any time period? I know the answer is probably going to be no because you don't dwell on these things, but do you feel like. No, but the answer is no. And, and, and I'm sure there are people who feel that way, but it, and it is one of the, the liberating aspects of not being more successful is that, um, Mm. you know, 
quite obviously, we're not Bob Dylan. We're not the Rolling Stones. We're not, you know, we don't have to, and, and we never had a hit song. So it's not like, I mean, there is, there is no song that we play every show and there's no, I don't think there's, there's, you know, there's songs that are more popular than others, but there's, you know, whatever, uh, it's just, I don't think it's that big an issue with the audience. And if it is, they probably stopped seeing us ages ago when they found out we didn't sound like our records. (laughs) We, uh, (laughs) we, um, you know, didn't play, you know, sugar cube or something on the night they came to see us. So the, you know, I've mentioned the Hanukkah shows a few times. We do, we play eight nights in a row. And for the last few years, we don't play any song twice. So it really is on, you know, it's the, the, and, and there's a certain type of person who likes our band who thinks those are the best shows we do. Yeah. And so, you know, those people are going to appreciate one aspect of the band and, you know, just, but, but it, it, I think if if we had, if you know, if we were the voice of our generation, like Bob Dylan, yeah, yeah, that that becomes a harder thing to pull off. And and what he does is remarkable yeah. in like the insistence on doing the new songs and playing the old ones, however he feels like doing yeah. them. I mean, they're, it's incredible. I've seen him a lot, but I'm yeah. sure there's a lot of people yeah. who therefore don't go see him. The people who do know it and love it. Yeah, for what it's worth, I've seen him some 40 times, and two of those times were at a casino, and that was fascinating, the people streaming out, because they're like, what? I yeah. could hear them, like, what is this? And I'm like, it's blowing in the wind. I mean, clearly, but they leave. Yeah, so I, yeah, there, I can see why people would think the Hanukkah shows are particularly special, because they're so unique. And I think, again, among the beyond the relaxation that I was alluding to earlier, I think people do appreciate your... Uh, freedom, the freedom you exhibit and, and how it makes them feel free. Are you conscious of younger people showing up at shows or anything like that? Like, does it resonate with you? Like, huh? The, like, it's not just the 45 year olds. It's, yes. there's some, you're, is that happening? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It, it, I mean, it is, I've mentioned before, not spending as much time talking to people after shows as I used to, as I would like. And it yeah. is one of the aspects that, I'm, you know, that's one of the reasons I miss that. But, um, yeah, and, you know, we'll see. We're going out in a couple of weeks, or you know, soon, <laughs> and maybe yeah. I don't. We'll see how it how it goes. But we we talked a little bit about how the music came together. Uh, was there any lyrical collaboration? I want to get to that first before we get into some of the sort of themes that I'm picking up. Yeah, on. not too much. Um, I, I I write most of them. I didn't write all of them. Uh, but I did write most of the lyrics and the collaboration aspect comes about because James and Georgia, in the case of, well, all of them, see, all of us will see the words before they're sung. And, and if somebody's got comments, they are absolutely encouraged to, to make them. It's not like, you know, this is, this is the world as I see it. And, you know, out of my way while I explain things. (laughs) Ultimately, I feel like, you know, the, this is the, it's the band. So even if I'm writing 
the lyrics. I'm still speaking. I'm putting words in, in James's mouth and George's mouth. Whether they're singing them or not, I'm putting words in their mouth. Mm. So they're and 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 they're definitely their comments and reactions are reflected in the the final version. I see. So from your own perspective and in an overarching sense, because I think there we've talked a little bit about time in various ways here. And you mentioned you alluded to the band biographical info. There's been a certain emphasis on temporality or not temporality time. Time passing, these sorts of things. That's one element. I, I can pick up on that. Um, but first of all, Ira, do you dispute this? Do you dispute this characterization? <laughs> I dispute nothing. <laughs> do you have a, a is think there an old, let think. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about where you think this batch of lyrics came from for you? Probably not. I mean, it's, and if, and if I do, I'm just going to, mock myself so it's you know i i i think they speak for themselves pretty well (laughs) well i want to read something from fallout real quick because it just strikes me uh i want to fall out of time reach back unwind before it gets too loud before it knocks me out fall out of time i will tell you when i heard reach back i think i misheard unwind is rewind uh briefly and then i caught it the next time that's not in necessarily inherently nostalgic, but there's something going on there about the current timeline, potentially. Again, I don't want to perform a ad hoc master's thesis about uh, the new Yola Tango record, but um, can you just home in on that? Where did that, what do you think that means if you think about it? Well, you're welcome to perform your master's thesis as long as it doesn't require my uh, collaboration. Uh, <laughs> I'm hoping you can attend the defense. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really not going to answer. I'm just going to say that at a certain point, things feel like they're, they're working for me and hopefully for James and Georgia and in ways that I, I'm, I'm happiest when I can't necessarily explain further and and don't really want to i mean things get changed there's there's a few instances on this record where we recorded some stuff and then as we were listening back to it you know i think i think it was and it was probably me just saying you know i'm not i'm 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 no longer happy with that line let's can we Mm. re-record it and change it you know so things that sort of feel like it's working, and then it doesn't feel like it's working. So I, I, I'm, I'm really not particularly Listen, comfortable no, going I, deeper. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate your diplomacy and letting us interpret our own things. I will say really briefly, and you don't have to t- say anything, as a Canadian, uh, when I see Rick Moranis' name invoked in a song, I, get, I, get, I want to ask about it. Uh, I will just gently, with full respect for what you just said, Mm-hmm. Why Rick Moranis? Can we just talk about that? I just am curious. I, he's a huge guy, figure. I love him. He went away for a long time for tragic yeah. reasons, and he's starting, it seemed to me that he was slowly reappearing, but now he's sort of disappeared again. Can we just have a little love yeah. in about Rick Moranis? Is that possible? Is that why he was invoked? Well, sure. I mean, I, I think, you know, we're we're frequently dropping in breadcrumbs to, to find our our... 
our interests and and there was something in that song which I found appealing about name checking three people of fairly different <laughs> yeah. cultural uh not significance but but fame of different yeah. fame so but all well actually not n- not all equally important to me but um but I was going to ask I if you were a fan if you were a fan of each of the three uh, people probably Alice Cooper the least yeah I mean the Kinks I was obsessed by and yeah adore SCTV Alice Cooper I'm you know yep. I, I was going to say I, I I like love it to death as much as anybody but I probably don't like it as much as anybody <laughs> uh, but you know we, we also do this thing that maybe you're aware of where every year we go on WFMU and help them raise money by mm-hmm. uh, for one air shift listeners who donate to the station get to make a request and we will do our best to play whatever song they ask for which of course we can't do because of course we can't but one of the things that i find really moving about the experience is i love much more than this i like the idea of reflecting on a lifetime of listening to music and finding out what seeped in what didn't seep in and uh just just expressing your biography through a butchered version of taking care of business yeah. uh, so so in a way that i think is much less eloquent than those shows are dropping in rick moranis alice cooper and ray davies within a song is in in some ways for me, an expression, a similar yeah. expression. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that. Thank you, Ira. I'm mindful of the time, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention one quick thing. Um, you and I were in the same room uh, together uh, in April of 2022 for a memorial service for Dallas Good. I was afraid uh, was, you were going to say that. Uh, why? <laughs> no, just no, cause just because uh, you had mentioned seeing the Sadies a, a bunch of times, and I thought, yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, they're dear friends of mine, and Dallas was a friend of mine. So it was uh, all for the people listening. Um, there was an event, and it was a musical uh, celebration, and people uh, uh, took to the stage to play songs that they thought uh, would be suitable, and 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 you appeared. Um, uh, some sem- well, it was you in Georgia, as I recall. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, what I wanted to ask about, just because he's uh, he was a mutual friend of ours, is uh, and I I don't want to end sadly, but uh, what 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 was your relationship like with Dallas? What prompted you to be there that day? Um, I know my reasons. Uh, just curious. Well, I just wanting wanting to to share in the grief. I mean, it just we knew Dallas and loved Dallas. I wish we had known him better and spent more time with him think really uh cherish the time we got to spend we george and i came up to the, the horseshoe and and dj'd one of their new year's eve shows and uh, uh travis came down to new york over hanukkah and and played the bulk of a set with us including songs that we had done together some with 
when the Sadies played with us and others when uh, Shadowy Men came down when Dallas was playing with them. I just, there was just no place I felt like we felt like we belonged more that day than there. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. I I just wanted to say it was really meaningful to see you there and uh, everyone who made treks uh, to Toronto uh, uh, on that rainy week. uh, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was just lovely. So I just wanted to commiserate a little bit. Um, So thank you. I just wanted to say thank you. It was, well, it was a beautiful event and, and I mean, just, some of the some of the stories their dad told we we continue to repeat and John Langford <laughs> did such a great yeah. emceeing job and just you know striking the right balance of sadness and humor it, it was it was a, a beautiful yes. beautiful day and our mutual friend Don Pyle told some uh, told, made an amazing uh, oh, yeah, speech yeah. as well so yeah anyway I just think of Dallas all the time. And when I see you on my screen, I think of Dallas. Uh, so I just wanted to mention it. So thank you. Um, on a brighter note, looking ahead, uh, you mentioned you've got to get to band practice and you've got tour dates coming up. Uh, any other future plans for Yola Tango that you want to share at this point? I know you're always uh, plotting, scheming. Anything coming up? Nothing I, nothing I know of right now. We're just kind of trying to figure out how some of these songs go. Okay. Could you come to no, – I'm going to be very selfish – yeah, every time some a band announces a tour date thing or tour dates, there's always someone like come to Sacramento. You're not, yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. hey, I always think it's funny. I didn't want to do this, but have you ever played in Edmonton, Alberta, where I where I currently live? You know, we did we did play there in 1995. Oh. We uh, got asked to participate in the Lollapalooza tour, and and at the time we were got the offer. We were already on tour, so and the the uh, so we we had to we decided the shows began. Sorry, the tour began in the northwest, so we were in the northwest and didn't want to. We postponed a bunch of Midwest dates and just kind of hung around the area a little more, and and including oh. uh, our our one and only show in Kelowna. Uh, our one and only show to date in Edmonton and our first show in um, Calgary. Mm. We've been back to Calgary, but never to uh, Edmonton. So this is the uh, Sonic Youth Beck, the Jesus Lizard Pavement? Yes. Okay, cool. Well, um, for what it's worth, and if you like, I can try to... Would you want to come back? I can try to figure something out. I can ask. I, w- I would like to. <laughs> uh, you know, we'll... we'll uh, I, you know, it, it just becomes finding the time to to make these things work it's definitely been discussed i'm particularly interested in going places where we haven't been as much so oh okay the the you know canada's we we know where you are yes we know where you live okay i appreciate that sounded threatening and i'm just going to yeah. take it at uh, face value well i appreciate that now if people want to learn more about your upcoming tour dates and this uh, wonderful new record i hope i've expressed enough to you how much I love this album. It's really, I, I just love it so much. So thank you for that again, if I may gush a little bit. Um, where can people go to learn more, less about me gushing and more about Yola Tango and its efforts? Uh, is there a particular place? Well, probably the usual. There's, you know, we have we have a website if people still use those. Uh, we have an Instagram account, a Twitter account, uh, Matador Records. You know, it's it's all, we're everywhere. You just Google Yola Tango. 
I guess, is yes. basically. It's really Google is where you are. Okay, I got yeah. it. Fair enough. Uh, now, uh, Ira, we this... We DuckDuckGo, but that's all right. <laughs> Lycos or Ask Jeeves. I don't know what people are <laughs> using these days. Um, so, as we're speaking, uh, this wonderful new record is going to be out this week. I wonder if we can go out on a song from it. And if so, uh, Ira, can you pick one for us and maybe tell us why you chose it? Well, I I thought maybe a Celestine, uh, Georgia's singing is so beautiful on it it's it may not sound as much like a lot of the other songs in the record but we like it no it's absolutely gorgeous okay from the again i've gushed about it it's called this stupid world this new yola tango record is fantastic this is a celestine ira this is a tremendous honor and a thrill i really appreciate this time i hope it was enjoyable in some semblance of a way and that we speak again soon sometime thanks again We'll see you in Edmonton. Yeah, so yeah, I got to get on the horn right away. No, I will. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Bye.
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Tremendously meaningful to have Ira Kaplan on this show. What can I say? I've been a Tango fan for a long time. It means a lot. Thank you, Ira, for making time for me. And uh, for all of you listening, uh, Ira is appearing on the 752nd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever it is you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me, sign up for my monthly newsletter, Please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control and follow it on Facebook. You can also follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, and you can uh, follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. I lost my train of thought. At vishkana. There you go. Plus, you can visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation uh, to sustain this podcast. That is uh, the primary source of revenue uh, for all the work that goes into this show. $6 American or more a month grants you access to some exclusive content. You get episodes a little bit earlier than everybody else. And if I have time to go uh, overtime with some of my current guests, then I do that for a little bit of chunk of time there. We talk about uh, different things. Uh, I also dig into my uh, audio archives and I find things that I think you might find interesting uh, from my time as a uh, journalist preceding the invention of this podcast. So there's lots of treats, but really you're supporting me and this work by uh, heading on to the Patreon there, and I appreciate it. Again, it's flexible. You can start at one tier, $6, $4, $3. You can go up, you can go down, you can cancel at any time. And for your trouble and for your generosity, if you're interested in a Creative Control t-shirt at that $6 American or more a month here just message me on patreon and i'll get you one while supplies last i've sent these t-shirts all over the world you know and i'm happy to do it so thank you speaking of thanks thanks again to the excellent alberta-based record retailer blackbird music which you can learn more about and order things at their website there blackbird.ca also want to thank pizza trocadero the bookshelf and planted bean coffee respectively in guelph ontario and granddad's donuts in hamilton ontario for their in-kind support for this show Thanks, as always, to my dear friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with uh, Ira Kaplan from Yola Tango. Please check out uh, This Stupid World, and uh, while you're at it, uh, go through the whole Yola Tango uh, back catalog and go see them live. They're wonderful. Thank you for listening uh, to this episode, as I say, and subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends to do the same. That means a lot. 
Otherwise, I will talk to you very soon. Thank you once again. Bye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.